0: Freight and supply chain isn't considered sexy by most, but Sam has a different view. There isn't anything quite as satisfying as a well-oiled supply chain coming together. There is, however, a lot of fluff that surrounds the industry. This podcast looks to break through that fluff, bringing exciting topics and trends to light with a fresh new perspective. Welcome to What's in the Box with Sam Greenosh.
1: Welcome to episode number 29 of What's in the Box. It's an absolute pleasure today to be joined by John Bass. He is a talented individual that I have been in contact with for many years now, so it's great to have him a guest, as a guest. He has been in the game for a couple of decades, which I know he won't enjoy me saying. So, John, over to you. It'd be great if you could give an introduction of yourself to our listeners.
0: Yeah, sure. So, uh, my name is John Bass. Um Head of Business Development uh, for EMEA for Logics Board. Um, My background is like traditional freight forwarding. So I worked for um, some of the big players, Kuna and Nagel, uh, Agility, Uniserve in the UK, um, looking after the kind of uh, route development, trade lane management, that kind of thing. And then the last sort of five or six years, I've moved into more kind of like logistics technology space. So working for um, a business called Beacon that was a sort of digital freight forwarder. Um, and SaaS operator in the space. Um, my current role now at Logix board is, um, as I said, business development for EMEA and really trying to kind of grow our network and reach within within the region. Amazing.
1: So it's going to be a brilliant episode and your background is very similar to mine. So I'm excited to get your perspective on things. The first topic that I wanted to dive into with yourself is the traditional versus digital, because it seems as that uh, like a them and us type uh, conversation, of which I know it's not. So I'd love to get your perspective on that.
0: Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's a really interesting dynamic, Sam, and I think it's something that um, is always presented in that exactly that way, right? Like digital versus traditional. And I, my background was uh, traditional freight forwarding, and, and kind of seeing the emergence of you know the flex ports of this world, the Zen cargos, etc., coming into the market and providing like a, a digital view to the world of what freight forwarding could be. And I was always really excited about that. Like, I always saw that as like, this is the next like evolution of the industry. And that actually, you know, there's a lot of other legacy industries that have been kind of disrupted by technology and have kind of been enriched by it. So I've kind of like got to this point in my career now where I'm working for a kind of SaaS led business where I, I want to try and change that like dichotomy of it's traditional freight forwarding versus technology and versus like digital freight forwarding. And actually, where I'd really like to sort of take the conversation, I think, in the industry, and I'd like people to, to kind of think about when they talk about it in that way, is, is that can we talk about it more about collaboration in that sense, right? And like technology with the traditional expertise, because for me, the freight forwarding expertise that live within all freight forwarders, you can't, it's a, it's an intangible knowledge and skill set that you just can't replicate with technology, but there are certain things that, you know, customers in the market and shippers in the market want to see and want to be able to see in a certain way that that technology can really assist with. And I think it's the combination of those two things that's really like the future of the whole industry. And so, you know, I want to see a bit more um, peace and unity between what previously has been two camps, right? And make it kind of one camp of people that really want to drive the industry forward for the better and, and actually bringing those two things together.
1: So on that, what's what side do you lean into? Is it that trad the, the traditional have got their pitchforks up and saying this isn't the future? Or is it the other side of that, which is you've got the arrogance of maybe the SaaS businesses coming into the market saying they're going to change the world um with maybe not having that kind of intangible knowledge that you just touched about?
0: Yeah, well without making too many <laughs> sweeping statements, I think it's both, right? I think basically there's there's almost three camps. There's the traditional forwarders who are resistant to change and are basically like, there's no way that technology can replicate my job and there's there's literally zero benefit to technology. It has to be done the same way as it's always been done. Then there are people that work in the SaaS space who've never worked in freight forwarding, seen an industry that's ripe for disruption. They've made way too many assumptions and they think actually like, you know, everyone in freight forwarding doesn't know what they're doing. They need to listen to us. We, you know, SaaS is the future. This is how you do it. It's all just software related. In the middle, and I think this is probably like a small um, – well, maybe it is a majority, actually, because I think there are a lot of people on both sides who are really open to um, to the kind of possibilities of working together. And that, that sort of third group are really people that either work for traditional forwarders and really understand that actually there's a whole world of technology that can help them and enrich them and take their skill set and knowledge and bring it to a wider audience. And actually, that is what ultimately will drive the industry forward. And the same on the SaaS side, right? I've, I've been lucky enough to work with loads of people who, were, who never worked in the freight forwarding industry until they worked in the kind of SaaS operation looking at this industry. And they have a real deep appreciation of, of what it's like to work in a freight forwarder now because they've essentially had to work in one, right? Like a, a digital freight forwarder ultimately is a freight forwarder. And they're, they're working in those operational teams and understanding how much hard work goes in to, to operating freight movements for customers. It's a lot and so i think there's this now this understanding between those two those two kind of spaces and that third that third group i described i think that's what gives me hope right is there enough people in that side that want to see change and want to really like kind of grow and develop and if we can get to a point where um that is the driving force and is the most vocal majority that's when i think we'll see some really meaningful change in the industry and that's what excites me i think
1: couldn't agree more john i think the people who haven't necessarily been involved in industry too much to then come in and understand what a forwarder does to get goods around the world. It's not just getting something from A to B, it's dealing with the black swan events, the uh, geopolitical changes, the macroeconomics, all of these varying factors within the supply chain that uh, impact the way that our goods move around the world. Unless you've been there and felt it and seen it firsthand, you can't. You, you don't really get that true appreciation for what it's... what. We do on behalf of our customers as forwarders.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the, that's the thing that's like um, that's missing. I think is the nuance of what what we mean by like freight forwarding and operations is. It is almost like those intangible things of and, and people in the sort of traditional world use it all the time. Like we go the extra mile for our customer. Like we'll we'll do all the extra bits and pieces that other freight forwarders won't do. And I think whilst that is true in the sense of they will go the extra mile, and that is the um, the bit that gives them a little bit extra, right? Other freight forwarders also do that, right? It's not like there's just one freight forwarder that gives amazing customer service that will stay late and take a call or book things, right? There's varying degrees of of service. And so if you can combine that with also being able to provide customers like a self-serve aspect where they can kind of find information out for themselves or put that information in a much more appealing and easy-to-use way, then you're getting the best of both worlds. Like It isn't enough just to go, here's a really nice, shiny, um thing to look at if you're not providing a quality service to go with it. And so I think that's again, it's why I think it's so important that there's this like collaboration between the two worlds. And you can only get that if you have a, a genuine like admiration and understanding for both sides. And I definitely have that for traditional freight forwarding operations. Like it's such a hard job to, to work in. Um, and on the same side, there's some really smart, hardworking people who are just trying to build technology that actually helps freight forwarders, right? And build something that can give them, you know, even if it's just 5% of their time back, right? Because their time is precious and they're up against it. So, you know, that's why I'm, I'm kind of really advocating for this idea of collaboration between the two camps.
1: But the big pillar that we're talking about here, which is there's two differentiators and from the traditional and the digital one thing is the common theme, which is people, right? And it's mm-hmm. amazing people in our space that are the difference between service excellence and probably service failure a lot of the time so it's how it, it probably leads on to a another topic that i wanted to speak about and we may jump around and come back but the generation logistics that you've mm. been a part of and I, I see that um i think the team were at the parliament last week collecting uh, some awards of of setting that up but how how do you see that your entrance into traditional forwarding and the, your rise in and the roles that you've done similar to mine came from maybe an apprenticeship or fallen into the industry that's what most people say whereas now it's like not uh, i want to change this thing of everyone says oh i fell into freight and couldn't get out that that's the typical line that most people say and it's actually how do we start attracting talent into this industry where this hybrid between this exciting tech environment building tools to simplify global trade as well as the Physically, you need to know how to get stuff moving and the compliance and the regs. So what what does that mean in terms of the generation logistics and the way that you're trying to attract talent to our, our, our sector?
0: Yeah, well, look. first of all, thanks for bringing up um, generation logistics. If people want to have a look at it, um, generationlogistics.org. It's, it's basically like a sort of government ratified program um, and kind of incentivizing businesses to attract younger people into the industry it's an aging industry essentially right we're gonna we're going to kind of age out of an industry and we need to bring in sort of fresh young smart talent into this industry so it's really important what they're doing um and proud to be uh, kind of ambassador for what they're doing so yeah definitely like please check that check that out in terms of attracting talent i think it's again it's, it's similar to what we were speaking about right like the modern world is is changing people are looking for um looking for jobs in technology, right? And that's a varying degrees of role. So it doesn't mean necessarily that you are coding or building things. It could be sales jobs, you know, both of us work in the sort of commercial side of these businesses. It could be marketing. It can be even just working in um, something completely unrelated like accounts. But for a business that's working in a space that is um, to, you know, younger generations, uh, more appealing and more exciting. And I think that's where the world is going. If you look at kind of what people are interested in doing I think you see there's a huge uptick in kind of um, PR, marketing, technology type jobs. And, you know, the traditional kind of more um, labor intensive focused roles or more operational roles, again, are shifting more into operational roles in terms of like SaaS companies and working in those environments. So in order to make things more appealing, like I do think that having technology be such a big part of the industry just generally makes it more exciting. Like just forget about the sort of ins and outs of what roles and, like what the pay is and all that kind of thing people want to feel like they're in an industry that's got a future to it and is going somewhere and so i think the emergence of like technology in logistics is basically the biggest appeal for young people to go well maybe i can work in there because i can still achieve all the goals that i want to achieve in terms of working for a tech company i mean the most simple example is there aren't people who are let's say 20 21 22 who went i want to work for a taxi company right who worked for uber right? They, they didn't. They wanted to work for a technology company. It just so happened that it was in the transport and sort of taxi um, ride share space, right? And so I think it's the same thing. I don't think, and I didn't, as I want to work in freight forwarding. Now, though, I think if I was, you know, 2021 20, and looking at like where I could go in, in the industry, I'd be like, well, I want to work in tech. This is a really interesting space that, you know, still got some room to grow. There's still a lot of kind of legacy businesses we've discussed that could be enriched by technology so i just think it's that room to grow and that technology infusion in this space could make it really appealing and we could get a whole new generation of people coming in who who have basically kind of grown up in a world where businesses are tech focused and are digitally enabled and so they're going to come in with a whole new fresh perspective on the industry and we could see i think in the next sort of 10 to 15 years a much bigger upswing in terms of what is possible because they, their understanding of what is already possible is like the baseline. Whereas like for me, I'm kind of, for my shame, like nearly nearly 40, right? And so I'm kind of in that middle section where I lived in a world before there was this level of technology and now I'm in the midst of it, right? So I can kind of see both sides. But if you have a whole generation of people who are used to it, they start thinking in a completely different way. And that's what we, that's what we need within the industry is, you know, is all kinds of diversity, including diversity of thought, right? And we really need that in this industry in order to be able to kind of go forward and, and see where the changes could take us.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And It's really exciting. I think there's some, uh, the, young, the younger generation are thinking macro and thinking big and talking about the big topics at such an early age and they want to make a big difference. So I think it's going to help us make some huge leap, leaps forward in the way uh, it, and make some big waves over the, over the coming years. But I actually wanted to take it back because I jumped onto the generation logistics piece off the back of some of the questions that we previously spoke about. What I wanted to get is your perspective on what role does the customer play in this in terms of the traditional versus digital and the evolution of which we're going through at the moment.
0: Yeah, so I think actually like the customer is is really driving this change, actually. And I don't think that it's necessarily from them. I think it's from... The customer's customer. So in other words, the consumer on, on the high street, like you and I buying something. And I think the reason, like, in, and again, this is a very simplified version of, of why this is happening, but bear with me. I think basically like you and I order something now, right? We go to, to an Amazon or we go to wherever, right? As soon as we make that purchase, we're able to see everything, right? We're able to see what they've got in stock, what sizes there are, how much it costs, how long the delivery is going to take me. We then make a buying decision, like the, the payment is really easy, right? Like we can remember my like card details and I can choose multiple different ways to pay for it. As soon as I've paid for it, I then get an email notification telling me this is where it is at the moment, this is where it's going to be next, this is when it's going to deliver. All the way through the process up until the moment it arrives at my door, I can see everywhere it is, like every single moment, every milestone in, in quite a lot of detail. I can communicate with the company um, through like their contact us about that journey and when things are going to. Be delivered. When it gets delivered, it gets all signed off, and in some instances, you'll get like a kind of confirmation that it's been like signed for. And sometimes they'll even send you the picture, right, where they take a picture on your doorstep. Now, the normal person on the high street is now used to that. That's the sort of benchmark of what they expect. And I've had it before where I have ordered something, and I'm like, "What? There's no." Like delivery update, there's no like date. It just says it's been ordered. Like what's going on? What's happening? And it's really now stressful for me when that was always the way it used to be before. And so I think that expectation is now going to to the shipper, now going to the sort of freight forwarders customers. And so they're feeling that of like, right, we need to be able to offer that to our customer. And so they are going to technology partners or freight forwarders and saying, I need this visibility because my customer needs it. And if you're not able to provide it, I will go elsewhere to find this which is why I think that the sort of digital forwarders have been so successful. It's not necessarily, and I'm saying that like very clearly, not necessarily because they're the best freight forwarder. It's because they're able to provide a solid level of freight forwarding, but the visibility is becoming so important to being able to provide that, that that really is becoming uh, at least equal in their consideration about which freight forwarder they go to. And I think if we're honest, if you have two freight forwarders, one that can you know 9 times out of 10 they'll deliver things the other one is 10 out of 10 they'll deliver things but one can show you visibility in a really clear and concise way and the other is just email updates they're not going to win the business like it's that those days are gone like it's gone because the customers will understand like we do right when things get delayed with amazon i know because i know it's been delayed because they tell me the minute it happens and so i'm like okay cool i can go out today because it's going to arrive tomorrow instead that's fine i i just know and we all know anyone who's worked in freight forwarding things go wrong right they always go wrong it's not that it will always be okay collection day one delivery day four just doesn't happen it's about how you manage those issues and how you inform your customer about those changes so they can manage those accordingly and that's what technology is able to provide and that's what i think is is so interesting so yeah to, to a very long answer but i think basically the the shipper or the customer Straightforward as customer. It's their customers driving it, and they're driving this these changes because the demand is there now because society has changed.
1: Well, it was a good answer. A little bit long, but it was a good answer. <laughs> it's, uh, but I um I, I always really get uh energized around this topic because when you actually get into the that story that you just outlined with an actual customer, the actual reality is and this is one thing that I, I think more of the traditional fallers maybe don't nail in the way that they go to market with their proposition, which is it's not really about trucks and boats and sheds and planes. And it's not about anything other than their products getting into the hands of their customers in the most effective, cost-effective, timely manner at the highest quality. And actually, all of that data that you have in the first mile, which is so often overlooked, as you mentioned, right? I think about the investment and the way that we've you just outlined the final mile of a delivery whereas the first mile kind of gets forgotten about sometimes and i think that shift to think about well if i can be smarter upstream it influences my customer experience downstream is where you can really start to drive some outcomes for customers make smarter decisions and get more out of them than just we're, we're a good freight forward and we move your goods from a to b it might be we're a good freight forwarder and we enable you to Reduce your lead time to your customer, improve your sales conversion, or whatever it might be, whatever outcome. But it, it becomes more outcome-focused than A to B-focused.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. And if you think about the example I gave, right, that's from like the consumer's perspective, is the final mile. But for the freight forwarder and, and their customer, the shipper, in that case, like that's the bit they're interested in. So it's trying to essentially replicate that level of visibility. Because look, if you don't know something's going wrong, you can't do anything to mitigate it. And so, like, the most valuable asset, to your point, right, was, like, essentially all freight forwarders are using the same lines, right? There's only a certain amount of shipping lines you can use and a certain amount of airlines you can use. So everyone's using the same, like, actual mode to move the goods, right? The nuance comes in how you deal with that and the options you're able to provide if when things go wrong. And the only way you can do that is through information, data, and being able to see that and communicate that in a way back to your customer. So that's why it's so important to have that because it's all about the communication with the customer.
1: Yeah, so so talk to me about the evolution then. So traditional for you was the start. Then you went to digital freight forwarder second, and now you're at what's pure SaaS offering for logistics
0: board. Yeah, so I guess probably the easiest way to explain it is like essentially where the logistics board fit in that ecosystem because you know traditional freight forwarders, as I said, they'll move the goods from A to B, and again they'll do a load of other things. But generally speaking, right, digital freight forwarders will also move the goods from A to B but they're there to also provide you with this data and insight. And so if you're competing as a traditional forwarder against a digital forwarder, a lot of the time you will lose out with a lot of customers and also you will lose existing customers because they're able to offer what you can offer plus, right? And so what Logic's board have have really um, kind of looked to give to the traditional world is to say, okay, fine, well, look, to develop the level of SaaS you need to be able to compete is a, is a lot of money for you as an individual business to do that. And also the, the time it would take means that, you know, you, you will basically never be able to catch up. And so what Logics Board is, is really an accelerator for the, the traditional world to be able to purchase Logics Board. And essentially what it does is it provides that layer. So you can be a traditional forwarder day one, and then after working with Logics Board, we essentially create that layer above your TMS. So everything that's in the TMS that you're operating getting that data to your customer currently done by phone and email we create essentially a portal a platform a dashboard that looks like really nice that customers love using and is a way for them to be able to see everything that they they want to be able to see so it really is just a shortcut for freight forwarders who want to be able to to compete with either the big players who've got the money and like finances to be able to create their own portals and dashboards or the sort of um, digitally enabled forwarders who who already have that and have seen that We're helping the traditional world, and that's why I'm passionate about this topic, right? If I say I'm a SaaS-like company in in a logistics tech space, a lot of freight forwarders will be like, oh, that's the enemy. Well, actually, we are only here to help traditional freight forwarders. That's it. That's our entire business model is built around enabling and empowering traditional freight forwarders to do the bit they already do really well and just give them an even level playing field to compete with the other sort of tech-focused businesses that exist in the space.
1: Yeah, it's exciting in terms of how you can – take them on the journey and like the bit is interesting is innovation and disruption breeds more innovation and disruption right so the more people making noise and trying to deliver for our customers the faster we'll move forward um and and get there so really exciting what i actually wanted because we've got a limited amount of time left i was going to get some kind of quick fire questions in or some quick advice so what would you i'm going to start as we touched on generation logistics i'm going to start with a question there Going back, looking through uh, John's career, what is your, what would your kind of top three pieces of advice be for that 20-year-old looking at their potential career within within the logistics logistic
0: sector? So I think like the first first one would be, is like just be completely open to learning something, right? And what I mean by that is if you're going into a business and you, you want to you wanna eventually get into maybe sales, don't be afraid to take an operations role. That's the one thing I wish I'd have done a bit more of actually is... Really understanding the operation side because if you can build that like knowledge base, when you get into the sales point of view, you speak with so much more knowledge and insight and authority. It really helps you. So, don't be afraid to do a number of different jobs within a business. And actually, freight forwarders, I think, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Sam. I think freight forwarders are quite good at that. Like they're quite happy for you to move departments and switch around, and don't see that as sideways steps. See it as just basically learning more and being able to grow and adapt. So that would that would definitely be like the key thing um yeah the other i guess the other piece for me would be like again more broadly in terms of the market just listen and look at, so listen to podcasts like this go and um look at some of the linkedin uh kind of knowledge that's there and the sort of industry experts and follow them on on linkedin and kind of get their insight and knowledge it's not about necessarily agreeing with their opinion on everything but it's being exposed to those opinions whether you like sort of agree with them or not right it's good to understand that market and that's something that i've been guilty of in the past you're just focusing on the company i work for and what we're able to offer and not looking at the bigger picture of what's happening um, within the industry the third thing and you and i actually speaking about this before we start recording is find a mentor if you can find someone in the industry who you respect their career or you look to what they've done or you like the things that they post or they say Reach out to that person and try to get involved with them. One of the things that's um, happening with the Generation Logistics is that they're exploring this idea of of having mentors for younger people in the business. Don't be afraid to be proactive with that. I've been really lucky that I've worked for some really great people as my boss, and they've really kind of mentored me and and given me some great insight into how to approach my career and how to move forward and and how to kind of handle yourself within those situations. So I think those those three bits of information, you know, moving around within your own um, company – looking at the market and then also finding a mentor or mentors that can give you good advice. I think that would be my three nuggets of gold.
1: Yeah, well, there's certainly nuggets of gold. They're, they're awesome ones. And then final one then, which is, what would you say, what would be your message to the traditional versus digital uh, conundrum that we've got now? How What would be your words to to speak to both sides?
0: Let's be friends, right? Let's be brave. It's a bit like when you're at like school, right? Primary school, it's the first day of school, you don't know anyone, everything's new, everything's scary. And so, someone comes over and says hi, like sometimes your immediate reaction is just to run away, right? Because you, you don't know them and you're, you're scared it's new and it's different. I think, like, if everyone could just take a big breath and just say, Okay, look, I don't know if this is going to be good for us or not, I'm going to have the conversation and find out. Because the worst case scenario is you talk to them. And it's another digital freight forwarder that's essentially your competitor, in which case, like, it doesn't matter, right? Like, you and I have been speaking for, you know, quite a few years, actually. um, And we both work for different businesses that essentially competed with each other. It's an industry. It's business, right? You're going to compete with each other on a number of different things. It doesn't mean that you can't have an understanding of what your competitor is in a completely friendly and open and professional way. Um, That's the worst case scenario. The best case scenario is you speak to someone, and you go, "Wow, we could like we could use that technology. That'd be really useful for us." Whether that's you know data insights on port and terminal data, whether it's you know someone like Logic Board that can provide you a really nice like front end and platform and dashboard that just get you up to speed, or or whether it's you know something completely unrelated that you've never even thought of. The only way you ever find that stuff out is to just be a little bit adventurous and be a little bit more open minded. And so that would be my my plea to the world of freight forwarding in general is from both sides. Let's be open-minded, listen to each other a bit more. um, And I think there's a lot of good, positive outcomes for everyone involved if we all do that.
1: Well, what a great final plea. It was a pleasure to have you on as a guest, John. It was about time. So thanks thanks for being (laughs) on.
0: Of course. Thanks. Anytime. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for tuning in to What's in the Box. If you enjoyed the episode, please hit subscribe and leave a comment.